What is good? Let's have some fun. It's the Fundamism Podcast with your host, Paul J. Long, and all things fun. We'll let the fun begin. Woo! What is good? It's your boy, Paul J. Long, here with the Fundamism Podcast, coming to you where we feature guests who are creating a culture of experience, not only in their own life, but creating a culture of experience for others as well. What does that mean? Well, I think that we're all looking to have a little more fun, joy, and fulfillment in life. And so we like to feature guests that are a little further along down their path than others in that quest with hopes of potentially sharing some information that might bring that joy to you. As always, we are brought to you by our sponsors, Charlie Hustle. If you're looking to be the freshest on the block, if you're looking to be the baddest on the block, show enough. We're talking Charlie Hustle. Go to charliehustle.com, check out all their duds. If you want to be just like me, or at least a little bit better, that's where you're going to go. This week, we are featuring an amazing guest, an amazing athlete, uh, an amazing entrepreneur, Entrepreneur, a dude that's just got so much that I never even would have guessed in his little quiver. Uh, Mr. Kareem Rush, what's good, man? Show enough. Oh, show enough. Show enough. <laughs> I got the glow. What up, bro? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. So, uh, Kareem, uh, so off the block, I mean, obviously, you were a, uh, you were a star player for Mizzou. Yes. You so. played in the league. For those of you that don't know, that is the ABA. The ABA. No, I'm just joking. The ABL. Sometimes. <laughs> ABL sometimes. <laughs> that is the NBA. We'll talk about the ABL here in a little bit. But uh, Kareem, we like to start with one question. Every single guest on the Fundamism Podcast, we start with one question. What do you do for fun, man? What do I do for fun? I would say I am a creator inventor at heart. And that's where I spend majority of my time thinking in, inside of my head on, on different ideas and uh, trying to bring my life. So is that something that you've you've always been, or has that come to you over time? I've always been a dreamer, you know. Even though basketball, you know, is what I'm known for. Um, you know, I've always had different passions and in towns that nobody really thought of um, and, and really knew about. Um, but you know, it, it, it took to after I got out of the league to really start pursuing those deals. But all along, always, you know, had had different things that I, I enjoy doing and. You know, now I'm trying to bring them to the forefront. So what types of things uh, do you like to dabble with? I mean, you try to create the next Chia Pet. What are you on? <laughs> I am on uh, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm staying in the, the sports realm, you know, because that's where I have a lot of my background, a lot of my contacts and resources there. So utilizing, you know, those guys as ambassadors and, and, and pitch men is a, uh, uh, the way I, uh, I kind of sh- shape my business. Uh, but my, my first venture into inventing space i would say was uh is these these floaties i'm coming out with so backstory of those i'm in my friend's uh fourth of july party last year and his kids are on those swans they're really popular now that you know everybody in la has one in their pool and i'm looking at him like man those would be a lot cooler if they had like water guns in them so mm-hmm. you know me being the and the, the creator and inventors uh, i'm like man, i can make that happen so i go online the next day i actually sketched it, the thing first go online i knew about the website upwork uh, found a freelancer over in the Netherlands, and nine months later, here we are at the cusp of, of launching these uh, pool and floaties, which are uh, collegiate inspired. So sure. I got, you know, for the chicken hawks, I got, I got the Jayhawk, I got my, my mighty Mizzou Tigers, and uh, to honor the legendary Kobe Bryant, who I had an honor to play with, um, I did the Black Mama for all those Laker fans. So uh, I mean, 
if I was a Mizzou alum and I heard that you just created a, a chicken hawk to hear you say it floaty, I mean, I might feel like that's blasphemy. Was that was that a struggle for you? No, I mean, it's in the family. Uh, you know, my brother <laughs> went there and, and did great things. So uh, even though I got a, a, a huge disdain for, you know, KU and everything KU, uh, my brother did go on and do great things. And, you know, I know KU people, you know, buy things. So sure. I, 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 I still, I still I'm trying to make money, so... So, you want. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned your brother. You have an amazing heritage. Your 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 family specifically super athletic. And there's a lot of folks that listen to this podcast that aren't necessarily super into sports. Uh, they work in you know corporate America, whatever it may be. They're not from the Kansas City area. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and uh, specifically the family birthright, which was that little orange ball in your hand. A lovely orange ball. Uh, yeah, grew up uh, in Kansas City, uh, the middle of three brothers. Uh, Jerron's 18 months older than I am. Uh, Brandon's five years younger than me. Uh, we grew up uh, inner city kids, uh, enjoyed going to the Boys and Girls Club, and that's where we first fell in love with the game. Uh, I remember vividly, you know, uh, following Jerron there and, you know, learning the game firsthand, you know, kind of being like trying to emulate him. And then all of a sudden, Jerron became good as shit. Mm. <laughs> like, really good. Like a legend <laughs> like, in the like, Kansas City like, area. All time good. Yes. Uh, so by the time Jerron was in eighth grade, he was the number one player in the country. Uh, you know, so... We, you know, we were traveling across the country. We had an AAU team where we were sponsored by, uh, you know, Tom Grant. And, you know, we had some legendary, now infamous, you know, CMH teams that we can go into a little bit later. But, you know, had a great, you know, uh, youth AAU experience. Uh, basketball was kind of the backbone of what we did. You know, we were either on the road during summertime or in, 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 in season. We were playing at, at Pembroke Hill, which is the most influent school in Kansas City. Uh, our, our, uh, the sponsor by AAU team, Tom Grant became a huge uh, you know, fan of Jerron, and I think it was his ploy to get Jerron to go to KU eventually, but uh, brought us over to Pembroke. They never do that in they the NCAA. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Tom, I mean, Tom's a great guy, and, and, and to this day, he's been a father figure to Jerron, you know, so no ill will, you know, speaking of Tom. Uh, but I think selfishly, he would love to. I mean, and I, I think it would have been great if all three of us went to KU. KU is a historically great school, but I'm happy. I went to MIT. So don't, don't, let, don't let me think. Yeah, all my Mizzou fans out there, I'm not saying all they went, but I'm, I'm happy I went to Mizzou. So how did that happen? How did you end up going to Mizzou? Uh, my Duran senior year, um, Duran was going to go to KU. Uh, I was probably going to follow him. Um, you know, at that time, Duran dealt with a lot of issues uh, throughout his high school career, drinking, you know, being mm. the number one. Uh, and I believe that was the reason. Uh, he put that pressure on his shoulders? Yeah, yeah. He was dealing with a lot. Uh, you know, having the pressure of being the number one player in the country at such a young age and all the stuff that surrounds that AAU and, you know, all that. Yeah, it, it was a lot for him to deal with. Um, you know, and KU came out and said they didn't want to recruit Jerron ever uh, into their school. And I said that following year, I would never go to KU. Oh. And so go to MU was my, you know, my middle. Yeah, class. that's right. So, Man, I didn't know that story. Yeah, I would have ended up going to, I mean, I was recruited by UCLA, uh, UConn, all the major schools. I decided to go to MU just so I could say, fuck you to KU. Right. And then it happened. The good thing is Quinn Snyder came down and me and him hit it off immediately. Uh, same birthday. So kind of the same demeanor. Smart guy. Uh, I'm happy to see where he is now. Um, but he came in there with the Duke pedigree, said he was going to make the program mine and came in to shine and, you know, that's exactly what happened, yeah, too, exactly right? Happened. Yeah, yeah. So um, for those of you that don't know, KU and MU here locally are uh, historically arch rivals. I mean, that that rivalry has kind of died out, which Kareem is actually trying to uh, to get back. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But so when Kareem chose uh, Mizzou over KU, I mean, that was that was big news. But then uh, then my boy, Lil Brandon, came along. What happened? I was, I was <laughs> salty as fuck, bro. I was salty. I was so salty. What happened? I mean. So Brandon went to 
KU? Went to KU. So my mom was pissed. <laughs> uh, but Bill Self uh, got the job. So Roy was gone. So I was like, okay, cool. I get it. Uh, and Brandon was a home kid. He couldn't be far away. So I understood that. But I really wanted him to go to Mizzou. But I understood him not wanting to follow my shadows either because I, I did the same thing. I didn't want to follow Jerron. Sure. Uh, so I got that. But to go to KU, I was like, man, fuck, really? Right. But he went on and, you know, did his thing, got his jersey retired, you know, won a national championship. So I can't follow him what he does. He's got a sweet he's, stroke, he's man. He's a fucking legend in Kansas City, which is, yeah, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely proud of him, you know, what he done. How does his game compare to yours and Jerron's? Early on, he was, I mean, Jerron was known as the freak athlete because Jerron was just vicious LeBron James type of right. You know, power. Right, I remember that. But Brandon was kind of a mixture between me and Jerron. Sure. Like shoot. But Brandon had crazy athleticism. Mm. But it wasn't as vicious as Jerron. Brandon can, you know, between the legs, touch the top of the backboard, all kind of shit when he was young. Towards knee up and kind of limited that. But right. Brandon is, is a fucking survivor. Towards knee up twice and still able to pull out a 10-year career um, and reshape his game to become a knockdown shooter. Who's he with now? He's uh he's he's out right now. He played last year in Portland for ten days. That's so he's looking okay. to go to Croatia. Yeah. He got a standing off road there, but he's he's still looking. He looks and great. He was with the Warriors two years, three years ago. Three years ago. That's he right. Won uh, championship in twenty fifteen. Sure. So. Now you played uh, with the Lakers for a hot minute. Yep. Got drafted by them. Yeah. My first three years there. And awesome. you got to play with a legend. Play with all you the legends. You mentioned uh, okay. Let's talk about I him. I played with all the legends. I played with multiple. Um, you know, obviously one Phil. Phil was a great guy. I remember vividly coming in. Um, you know, he started burning that sage and all that weird. <laughs> shit. I, was like, I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" But now but you seem like a pretty spiritual I know, guy. But this no, back then no. I'm saying if you met me 15 years ago. I've been I'm a completely different person. Okay, I'm all right. Introvert, so I was like, "Man, what the fuck?" Quiet. Uh, but like I said, looking back now, Phil still a great guy. Uh, kind of like the uncle, Uncle Phil. Sure. Uh, uh, crazy Cole, Uncle Phil. <laughs> yeah, crazy Uncle Phil. <laughs> smoking weed, doing like goofy shit. Uncle Phil. Uh, uh, Kobe at the time, shit. The height of his powers <laughs> just fucking tough like hard as nails work hard I, you know as a rookie I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm coming into gym early get some shots up this motherfucker out on the court like four hours before I was just out there doing footwork sure so I'm sitting there like okay now I know what this is and you know how you need, really need, need to train yourself to be the best was yeah. anybody else doing it no, like him no no even after seeing him oh you, it's, it's, you gotta be a maniac okay to pro if you, I mean it, it was time where they used to post his workouts in, 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 in the press in his insane you know now I, I put work in like that but to do that consistently over your career you, you can see how it can benefit him and where he got to work i mean he has talent but they had that work ethic too you know put him over the top sure so you know shaq kobe kobe shaq was the big brother um you know funniest <laughs> shit um he, i remember one story he used to he was late to practice so he just ran out there butt-ass naked it's just tennis shoes on me i'm sorry man the fucking chicken truck put me on the highway fucking feathers everywhere i'm late you know, so he would do dumb shit like that. And the he, big Aristotle. Yeah, and he was big in the music. So back when uh, the next tills were out, we used to have ringtone battles in the back of the bus and hear rap and not sing. So yeah. everybody, even back then, knew I was a singer. Right. It was about me really kind of pursuing it and doing it well. So. And, then, and then Shaq would come in, do you want me to shoot it? No. Do you want me to pass it? No. I mean, he took that shit. Like, he's like, uh, on, on the plane, he has little mixing joints. Yes. So he was, yeah, he was into it. Like, beats and all that. Like, he was serious. I mean, remember when that song came out with the Fushnickens, yeah, him in it. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that he had it like that. Yeah, Shaq hard, is hilarious, hard, though. hilarious. So uh, there's so many questions that I want to ask you. So, uh, you know, going back to... Um, you know, playing with Kobe, what's the craziest? So how did you interact? Because I heard that he's just, so there's all different types of leaders, right? Yeah. You got those folks that just lead by example. The Eagles, as we kind of talked about last yeah. night, if you recall, uh, folks that just do the dang thing. They got a plan and they make it happen. And you watch them and they're maniacs and you're like, man, how do I replicate that? 
Then you got other folks that are more vocal leaders, and and they'll tell you what you need to do and where you need to be. What was Kobe? Kobe was definitely um, definitely ego. Uh, I, he he was a Jordan clone, you know. So he modeled a lot of his mannerism after Jordan. So he was hard on people. Uh, I think he, he he definitely respected me because I came in with the mindset I'm a, I'm a scorer. I still had the Missouri mindset. So you know me and him were at it. And uh, like I said, when I got an opportunity to play, I, I played well. So he respected me, you know, in, in that you know in that sense. So uh, to this day, you know, we, we still cool, we still talk. You know, Lakers do a great job of bringing guys back. So uh, we get, we still get to interact with all those former guys, you know, quite a bit. So, uh, but you know, playing with Shaq was different. Shaq was just a fucking f- fun guy and, and a, just a dominant machine. Dominant. Done, I mean, it wasn't like leadership. It's like, yeah, just give me the ball, and I'm, I'm gonna do what I need to do. Right. I'm fucking dominant. So when he first came out, uh, that's when fantasy basketball started blowing up. And I remember anybody that drafted Shaq, I mean, you're putting up 100 fantasy points a game because he's, you know, 20 rebounds, 30 points. I mean, just have both of them in their primes. I I saw that. I I saw Kobe score 49 straight games. Like, what? That's crazy. (laughs) What? I saw Shaq. He should have averaged. We lost in the finals. I mean, I'm mad about this. (laughs) Um, You know, we should have beat Detroit, but they had a great team. Um, you know, Shaq should average 50 that year, but Kobe won the MVP. Was that with Ben Wallace and all that? Ben Wallace, that whole squad. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we had the uh, the four Hall of Famers. We had Gary and, and Carl. Yeah. Um, so Carl, if Carl didn't get hurt, we probably would have beat them. Uh, but I thought that team was going to come back the following year. We'd have been, you know, we'd have been great for a few years. We had a, we had a nice run. But that that after we lost in the finals, we all sitting in the lobby or in, in, in the banquet hall eating. And then Kobe's like, man, I ain't playing with that motherfucker next year. <laughs> Two months later, the whole team breaks up. Really? Like, Fuck. Yes. So what what drove that? He wanted his own team. Oh, okay. He that just was, didn't he, like sharing that. At the point where, okay, we won three. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can do it without you. Okay. And it was at that, that was the breaking point. See, we would have won that finals. We probably would have played. That team was stuck together. Because this was, at the end of the day, we have end-of-the-year meetings. So Phil brought me in. It's like, yo, I'm going to start you and Kobe at the 2-3 next year. Right. So I'm sitting here like, oh, fuck. I'm like, yeah, that's this, awesome. This right. is about to be the business. Right. So I'm going summer geeked up, working my ass off, and then shit, the whole team, you know, flips. Uh, Rudy T comes in. Uh, brings in a whole nother regime. They brought in Lamar Odom, uh, Karan Butler, and all those guys from Miami. And Rudy had a, a specific way he coached. So you, you play behind Kobe. So behind Kobe's no minutes. Right. You know, so that's when I just requested to be traded. And then uh, less than a year later, Rudy quits the job, Phil comes back. If I would have just waited out, I probably would have sure. been a lifelong Laker. So what happened, what happened when you asked to be traded? Where'd you end up going? I ended up going to Charlotte. Okay. Bobcats, the expansion team. Yep. So initially... I was supposed to, and I think it was the middle finger finger to me because I requested the trade. Uh, Initially, I was supposed to go to Denver, which my boy Josh Kroenke at the time owned the team. Mm, Yeah, right. I was like, this is going to be sweet. I was going to go to New Jersey because they didn't have a two. So this is prior to Vince coming. And I was still, I had a name. I played well in the finals, hit those six threes. So, I I mean, I I was, you know, I had an opportunity to start somewhere. Sure. You know, so last minute, um, Bernie Bickerstaff from the the Bobcats calls uh, Mitch and, and offers the same two, two second-round picks for me. And they figure because the Bobcats expansion team is going to be a higher pick, so they ship me to Charlotte. Dang. I go from the best team in the world to the fucking expansion right. team. <laughs> I go from packed arenas everywhere we go, fucking traveling like the Beatles, to nobody at the games. Talk about being depressed. So, so let's talk about that. Oh, my so, God. So what did you do? So in that moment, how long, first of all, did you play for the Bobcats? I played there two years. Okay. And I had, like, my most career-defining black mark with, with the Bobcats. I got waived like nine games to go. It was basically Bernie saying, fuck you. Because you weren't, because why? He, he said I wasn't committed to the team and all kinds of things. And Bernie was, had egos and I was a young guy. So sure. I was coming from, so I probably did some shit to, to rub in the wrong way. Um, but it was like no, no intervention. It was just like a, a fuck you, get out of here type of situation. Right. So it, it created kind of a black mark on my name for a while. 
But for you specifically, like if you say that you were going through challenges or depression or whatever, going from, you know, the coup de grace, the best team ever, right, yeah. to, to, to now the worst, right? The worst team ever because they're yeah. brand new. Um, so obviously you're going through it. So at which point can you see in retrospect that maybe you weren't, you know, giving in your all or maybe oh, you were sure. carrying yourself yeah. a certain way? I, absolutely. Like I said before, now you, this person you see down, I was definitely introverted and I come into practice, but I wouldn't stay after. I wouldn't sure. do actually shit. Right. You know, so I think that definitely rubbed him the wrong way. And at the point, at the time, he was both head coach and the GM. So normally you have a buffer between yes. the two. So you can have a, you know, you can't piss both of them off. Right. So you go talk to your GM, coach calms the coach down. But Bernie was like, I'm, I'm both. So fuck you. Get out right. of here. Right. Exactly. And he waved him with nine games to go. They weren't going to make the playoffs. He was basically saying, fuck you. You need to get out of here. You're, you're a bad seed. Right. And I was like, man, what? And I was best friends with his son at the time. Like, I'm, so it was. It was fucked up, actually. So, you know, I find that typically, and we had this conversation yesterday, uh, typically people talk about, you know, the same stuff. I'm certain, 100% certain, you get tired of people talking to you about basketball. Oh, I love it. Do you really? That's what I know most. I know, but the same token, like, you're so deeper than that. Like, so much deeper than that. And That makes people feel comfortable initially to kind of open up the gates. Right. You can talk basketball and then... The conversation kind of steers to different things. Right. But wasn't it you that was saying to me, like, if you ever meet a celebrity or something like that, ask them something. Weren't you telling me that? Like, ask them something completely outside of the realm of what they, because they're going to remember that or they'll you yeah. know, force them to think yeah. or whatever, maybe. I mean, I just approach people, you know, what's, what's up, man? You know? Right. <laughs> what do you, I mean, I never start off with, like, what do you do? Sure. It's more about a vibe. Yeah. So, so Usually involves smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, you just dropped a, so you are a singer. I am a singer. Actually, before we get there. So we're in this gym, uh, beautiful gym. First of all, this is your boy Luther's gym, right? Yeah. What is it? What's it called? TF, TFW. TFW. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, some high intensity training, but also like is there some group less, yeah, ledge yeah. sessions? Lessons, basketball. Uh, you know, weight training. He does a little bit of everything here. Uh, Kareem was getting his mind right before we got on this podcast. He was doing some bench presses over there. Getting right. Uh, but you know, I came here. I didn't tell you this. I came here with two goals in mind to record this podcast and yeah. to break some ankles and this podcast ain't gonna last very long no it ain't hey I'm, we, we out here ready you know you can give Luther he <laughs> so. you, you saw him he, he big body Chevy over there so you can cross him for sure <laughs> so you play with Shaq you play with Kobe you mentioned Michael Jordan so um, if you get this question right I promise you that I will not drown you in the raindrops uh, that I will throw down on this Bad. court right here who's the greatest basketball player of all time at the same time, I'm gonna say one, two, three, and we'll say we'll say who it is. Okay, yeah. one, two, three. Jordan. Jackie Moon. <laughs> oh dang! Jackie Moon's close. Second. Jackie Moon, ELE, baby. <laughs> so I'm I'm sporting the ELE right now. The Jackie Moon, of course, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Basketball minds. Basketball minds. That's right. <laughs> yes, he shot, of course, Grady style. Uh, but uh, you know, the reason why I dress like this is because I feel like you and I connect. Um, like I said, at a deeper level and specifically over people and being a creator and understanding the power that everybody holds. And you were telling me yesterday that your basketball foundation, right? Growing up and, and practicing and throwing your heart and soul into to this game prepared you for everything that was to come after this game. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to talk about that progression. And you had mentioned that you, you retired from basketball, you got waived, yep. and then you, you didn't know what to do. So what happened? What was that process like? Uh, I mean, I, I, I got hurt, tore my knee up. Uh, so I was dealing with the ACL microfracture. So I'm looking about 18 months before I really can get back on the court. The part is I was on a one-year deal. Um, the Clippers let me go right after the surgery. So I'm, I'm basically on my own for rehab, which, you know, that's not going to work. Sure. <laughs> you know, you have a, 
you know, the day-to-day checkups with the, with the medical staff there. So I'm, I'm at a disadvantage already kind of coming back from this. And it's already serious injury. So uh, I'm on my couch fucking in the CPM machine six hours a day getting my knee cranked. And I'm like, man, shit, I'm bored out of my mind. I mean, I got money saved up, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, but I'm thinking, about, okay, what I'm going to do? Either go back to school, get my degree. And But it's my friend, I'm out in L.A., still got a you know pretty big name right there. So let me try this music shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I got a year to kind of get right. So um, we, my homegirl at the time, Rachel, she introduced me to these guys that, who work at Interscope. So they, we come, they, they come together. Well, you say your homegirl, like, what do you mean? Like my homegirl. Like, a, a, a like you did friend. not date? We did not date. All right. Yeah, yeah. She dated Shaq. Oh, for real? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my homegirl. Uh, she introduced me to these guys, uh, Mike Cole, uh, who worked at Interscope, and we came together. He's like, okay, well, let's see what you can do. So they heard me saying, hey, all right, let's, let's go in and, and record a demo. So we, we, we found four songs that somebody write for me, and I record Hold You Down. My, and it's like, oh, shit, this is actually nice. You can Let's cut this and, and, and put this out. So there starts my music career. So I'm like, shit, okay, let's push this singing shit. So right. I'm in rehab, and at night, I'm in the fucking studio singing with, with, with a bum leg on a stool recording music right? And, and, and planning for all the clippers and all this shit. So guys know, like, yo, you actually trying to do this R&B shit. Right. Like, it's crazy. So uh, a year into it, I'm, I'm on BET. I'm on touring Monique show. I'm doing shows. Uh, but it, it costs a lot of money to break an artist. And at the time, you know, having that NBA back on, people try to take advantage of you. Sure. And they definitely did. Um, you know, spent a lot of money and really turned me off of it. You right. Know, so I was always, okay, man, situation comes about where, you know, I, I find a talent manager, somebody who believes in me, then I get back into music. Right. Me to put more money into it, I'm not going to do it. You know, in, in the meantime, I'm, I'm always going to be recording, releasing stuff the way I know how um, until that opportunity comes. But that's why I've always envisioned on doing The Voice, you know, kind of having that be a, a good platform for me. This uh, is The Voice. Exactly. So I'm going to finally do that this year. And, I hit that high that. C. That one bad. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you saying that, but yeah. you know you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first venture uh, outside of, um, you know, you know, sports. And, you know, something that I could hang my hat on, you know, because I said not being a basketball player, I was kind of lost, you know. So a lot of people knew that I can sing. So it was kind of my first deal that I felt comfortable doing. Sure. Uh, and so I started that. And then once I did that, if you can sing in front of 19,000 people, shit, you can try anything else after that. Right. So, uh, since then, if I got an idea, fuck it. Let's put it together. So uh, there's like a million different stories that we've discussed in the probably three hours that we've hung out since I met you. So I cannot wait to kind of unravel these threads. So first of all, you mentioned um, a lot of people took advantage of you or yeah. tried to, right? Yeah. I got to imagine, you know, somebody being in your shoes, you know, I've had this conversation with Danny Duffy of the Royals before, like when you're in, when you're at the top of your game and you're in the limelight, right? And you're a star basketball player, star football player, star baseball player, uh, maybe you're CEO of a major organization, whatever it may be. Oftentimes there's people out there that you can't necessarily tell, do they care about you because you're Kareem or do they care about you because they see that you're the next big thing and they're trying to get, you know, they're trying to raid the, the, the gravy train. Yeah. You really don't know until, until they may be taken away. Sure. You really see it. And I really saw a lot of people. Did work. you really? Oh, absolutely. Like I, I'm not cool to a lot of people to this day. I mean, not that they disappear, just like, you, you, you know, I don't think it's malicious. Sure. You know, I leave LA, you know, you hang around, you're not out as much anymore, so... People just tend to, you know, fade away. Right. Um, so, yeah, you definitely deal with that. So, they say that you become, and not to be cliche, you become the average of the seven people closest to you. So, do you find that as your circle has changed, because uh, I know that you're trying to do a lot more, 
you're, tr- you're trying to be a businessman, yeah. right? You're trying to be a successful entrepreneur. So have you found that your circle has changed so much so that you're hanging around folks that you know are going to lift you up and, and oh, push absolutely. you? I, I, I hang around with all businessmen or acquaintances. I have very few friends that I would say, like close friends like that. Sure. Now just, you know, people who I'm trying to, you know, do deals with. Right. And like I said, my main focus right now is my business. Um, you know, taking care of my little girls, you know, making sure that they're, they're straight. Um, so that's, that's it. I should have, I should have brought a notebook so I could write down all my thoughts. Cause, uh, cause we talked about girls. We talked about your new song that I want to ask you about, <laughs> uh, talk about mindset. I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about the basketball lessons that you learned. Yeah. And so uh, what I admire about you is you have this goal and, and, to hear you say it, it's not really a goal. It's it's an inevitable outcome uh, of being on The Voice, right? And so you're also dabbling right now. You have an idea of starting a prep school or a foundation, right? And yep. we're, we're, we could talk about all of this stuff. But when I asked you the other day, I said, hey, how confident are you that you're going to be on The Voice? <laughs> oh, I mean, without skipping, oh, 100%. 100%. I said, okay, take a step back. How confident are you that this foundation is going to be? Oh, 100%. <laughs> and I'm like, Kareem, like, is there, like, there's got to be some margin for error in there someplace. And you went on to say, no, like, I am 100% confident it's going to happen. And here's why. Today, you said a little bit more as to why that mindset is. You specifically said the number of NBA players that have ever been. Yep. What is that? It's like 4,000 in the history of the NBA. And I've been one of those. So when people say, oh, it's a one in a million shot, I've done that. Yes. So I understand what it takes. To, I know the mindset of getting to the pinnacle of any situation. There's not a lot of guys that play in the NBA. So right. The same skill, the same lesson, the same mindset translate to everything else I do. And I might not be, like I said, I'm not, you know, when I, start, I might not be the best at the start, but, you know, I'm going to work my ass off. I'm, I'm going to get around people who know what they're doing and learn from them. You know, I've learned from the best coaches so I can learn from the best leaders and the best businessmen as well. So that's what I'm surrounding myself with, beating guys like Chase, my guys like Ziggy in different, in different ventures and different, you know, sectors. I'm learning off from them and applying it to my business. That's smart. So, you know, there's leaders in your life that you look up to and you see everything that they're doing and you're like, yep that's what I want to be, or that's what I want to emulate, right? But there's also folks in your life that you can learn from, from doing everything that you that you don't want to be or don't want to become. Do you have anybody like that in your life that you've learned a lot from in terms of maybe not necessarily being the specific role model that you wanted to live your life as? I mean, I think the the biggest void in my life has been a father figure, and I've been searching for that. And I think all I got, life, I got you, fam. Why yeah, didn't you yeah, ask? All my life. Like, I, like my father was never there. And... <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been on my own so long, you know, especially playing basketball. My mom worked. So me and Jerron were off doing our own deal. So I had to kind of force to, you know, grow up, you know, you know, fairly early. Um, so not having that father, that mentor that, you know, got to, you know, see you through the mistakes in life, um, you know, definitely hurt. But it, forced, it helped me be, become a better father to my girls um, and understand that, you know, not being there in, in an absence and what that creates. You know, so I'm, I'm more than ever focused on, you know, getting them, you know, to where they need to be and, and, and being healthy. Uh, you know, little girls. So um, I would definitely say not having a father who just recently passed, which um, is it, crazy uh, to, to see him and see, see him like that. It was, it was wild, but um, yeah. Well, and so the, that's another thing, obviously, I want to uh, to commend you on. I mean, the, the, the first day I met you, you, you opened up about that. And obviously we have that in common. My father passed away at the age of 60 and uh, he was one of those individuals. He, you know, he was an addict and he struggled his whole life and he always made excuses as to why he wasn't great dude. Only person that didn't know how amazing he was, was him. Right. And so, um, you know, oftentimes I would look at him and I would say to myself, you know, I I could be a better version uh, 
of all his amazingness. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could take his amazing skill set that he gave me. Like I'm gregarious and fun loving and I can connect with people because of my father. Like yeah. he gave me that. The same token, he gave me the ability not to want to, you know, try hydrocodone and be on, you know, all, all the the excuses in life. So so I admire the fact that your father just recently passed away and you literally, when you met, you said, bro, I'm planning a funeral, which is actually this Saturday. And so I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart being on this podcast and, and, uh, and starting this relationship, wherever it is to take us, knowing that you're going through all that. It, oh. it means a lot to me. I appreciate that. Um, so you have two girls. How old are they? They're 13 and 10, Th- Maeve and Kaylin. Okay, and you wrote a song for these two I beautiful girls. It. I did. What's it called? It's called My Girls. You know, so I, I dealt with an issue with my baby mom. That it was a, you know, custody battle a lot of guys go through. Um, you know, when I first got the league, it was, you know, a financial deal. You know, so unfortunately, you know, but we're, we're on better terms now. So, But those two years were, you know, definitely tough, you know, to, to be away from them. Uh, but, yeah, they're everything. They, they, they're the reason why I get up. They're the reason why, you know, I'm pushing so hard to, to get these things up and running so I can provide them the life that they deserve. Now, if uh, you had actually shared this with me um, via, I know you're on iTunes and Spotify and all that jazz. What is your renaissance man? Help me. The rebirth of the renaissance man. The rebirth man. of the renaissance the man. of the renaissance man. And so what's funny about that, so you got, you got My Girls on there, which mm-hmm. is fire. Love that song, specifically because it has meaning. And so, you know, my concept is, it's called fundamentalism, the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. And oftentimes when I'm up in front of groups, I say, hey, uh, by a show of hands, who here loves music? Everybody always raises their hand, right? And so then I'll say, who here listens to music with purpose? Now that's very different. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, like anybody could turn on the radio and whatever happens, happens, right? But it takes a very, uh, very specific mindset to say, you know, I want to feel emotion today. I want to, I want to feel connected to my daughters. I want to feel uh, sadness. I want to feel happiness, whatever it may be. There's always a song out there that can evoke that emotion. Mm-hmm. So what's amazing is you shared your album and I was going to officiate my first ever wedding. And so I'm listening to it on the way down there by myself uh, for the rehearsal dinner. So I hear the song, my girls, beautiful song. Obviously any father can relate to that. Then I love Kush comes on. I love Kush. Uh, and so for our listeners that don't know, what is what is Kush? Hey, Rob, our cameraman, do you know what Kush is? Oh, <laughs> it's go. the Ganj, he says. Yes. So, uh, t- so is that something that you, obviously you wrote that after the league. I wrote it, yeah. Yeah, I wrote, yeah, after the league. <laughs> <laughs> But now, I mean, the league got to pass that shit. Come on, man. it's ridiculous. Everybody smoked. I, I think we smoked all the time. In my second year, we were the we were, that's why we went to the finals because I think not only having that gives guys they out longer. They going out drinking. Yes, if you smoked. We, we all came in, smoked, ate, go out to dinner as a team. Boom, we chilling. But now you want to go to the club, do all that shit, drink. It just it makes guys alcoholic. So sure. I, I think the league should. You know, now that all the states are passing legally, it's only a matter of time. Uh, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of the green. Mm. So you wrote a song called I Love Kush. Wrote a song about it. And you wrote a song about it. Here here you go. (laughs) I love Kush. Yes. And so you just posted the video on, uh, and actually I got a little sneak peek. uh, And it's fire. Like I really enjoy the video. And specifically, regardless of whether you're into that stuff or not, I love the creative aspect of what you're doing. I love the creative aspect of the video and how... uh, it's kind of, kind of abstract a little bit. Like, it's really cool. We're just really walking really down, and we just, at my apartment, let's shoot a video. Yeah. Like, we just, and we live right down the street. I, I, at the time, I lived down the street from Staples, so we just shoot in front of Lakers. See, they sure. kick us out. So we went down there, uh, smoking. They kicked us out eventually, but we got, we got the shot we needed. So then, the song that I really connected with, what was amazing to me is, 
your album kind of has, I know that you have an R&B background and you, like you really enjoy that. And I said, are you into hip hop and rap? And you said, yeah, but not much. You're more like sexy time music all the time. Like, you're like hey, Cream, can you turn that stuff off? Like, I'm just trying to chill, man. Uh, but anyway, so I hear your album and there's some like pop undertones. I got some pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like specifically, there's a really fast paced song and I don't know what it's called, but it really upbeat. Uh, it's called, that's uh, probably, uh, This Time Is Now. Yes. This Time Is Now. Yep, yep. But that wasn't the song. The song that hit me was Be Free. Be Free. What is so the story behind Be Free is is my baby mom. She's me kind of. Oh, that was, that was I her. figured yeah, that's yeah. what it was. That's her. Yeah. And so the message was was kind of like you know you're for somebody but you're not for me. Uh, so be free. Yeah. I hope you understand. Like we still can be cool. I love you, but it's it just not. Hey, did be. I just get the lyrics right? Yeah. I mean, kinda. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it like three times. Yeah, be free. But that song is amazing. Uh, and it really connected. And what's funny about that is I put it on my Sexy Time playlist. And so my wife and I were listening to uh, the album or my playlist recently. And that song comes on. And it's really sultry and beautiful. And you, your voice is fire. Like, I I mean, I, I couldn't see it. Yeah, no, right? you don't see it. <laughs> uh, but when I heard that, I was like, I really connected with it. And what I, what I really connected with are the horns and the vocals, uh, and then I love the hook, obviously, but when those horns come in, like, I love stuff like that, violins, horns, piano keys, anytime I hear anything like that, that people can add into a, you know, a soundtrack or something musical, sounds beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. So, how does that work? Do you write a song, and then you find a beat, or the, you, you find the beat, or you purchase the beat, or you create the beat, and then you write the song? That whole entire album was done by me and my boy, Scotty. Shout out to Scotty. We recording. What's good, Scotty? Scotty, we recording this week. I see you in Chicago next week, bro. <laughs> um, but yeah, talented guy out of Chicago. Uh, me and him were working together for you know, a number of years. And we was in L.A. We was like, man, let's put together a project for your birthday. You know, so we spent three weeks in L.A. He did all the production. Uh, we co-wrote the majority of the songs. And then we did it in my apartment and released it. You did that in your apartment? In three weeks. That's crazy. <laughs> so... The voice. The voice. What's the possibility of you being on the voice 100%. crew? <laughs> exactly, it is. See, I, uh, I, I actually <laughs> auditioned for it like two years ago, but I was bullshitting. I was. It was in L.A. I, they always send me emails for auditions. So like, let me go up here. They send you emails proactively. Yeah, yeah. They send you emails. They send you open, open, uh, open nights. For oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I was like, let me try this out. So I, I signed up for it. Went up there and. What'd you sing? I sang um, Neo, so sick. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and my voice just wasn't strong enough. It's like, you got a great tone, just keep working on your voice. Uh, and then I, I stayed and heard some other people, other artists. I'm like, okay, yeah, I really got to focus on it. So that was, I think, as much as I love singing, I, I would be honest, I haven't put the effort that I need to. So vocal, vocal coaching, all that shit, I just think I'm good enough to do it. Yeah. You know, so if I actually put forth that It's effort, like you with the Charlotte Bobcats. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I, did, I did that for a number of years. Like, oh, man, because I, I, I was successful that first song. I was like, man, I can just kind of do this. Yes. I, my, one, my, my songs are dope. This shit going to pop off. Right. You know, but... It didn't happen that way. Sure. You know, so fast forward to now, you know, I've been really, you know, training my voice and I believe, like I said, the platform for the voice, you know, be a, you know, a great thing for me. Uh, yes. They had a football guy on it last year. You know, so the backstory, even if I don't make it all the way, I think I can be, you know, I know I, know I can win it. Sure. <laughs> you know, but it'd be a good, you know, a good visibility for me. So when you think about your voice two years ago from where it is today, because I know that you actually shared with me a vocal uh, coach app that yep. you use every single day. every day. And so if you were to compare your voice today to that voice two years ago, you would say you've, you're light years way ahead. Better. Yeah, way better. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, you know what song you're gonna sing at your track? You don't have to let you don't have to let us know. I don't know, yeah, I don't know. Um, some hard, some Sam Smith, some Maxwell, some with a nice falsetto. Mm. Uh, uh, I told you this woman's work is like woman, my favorite yeah. Maxwell, and that's all falsetto. Yeah. Can you? Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
It's way he goes so high. He's cold. He's cold. Him, uh, JT, Sam Smith, Robin Thicke. Our guys, I really listen to, and I, I sing their songs daily to kind of practice. Sure. So when, when, I'm, when I'm singing them crispy, that's when I know I'm ready. Right. Uh, we were texting some shy the other day. Yeah. In physical attraction, mm-hmm. but to my satisfaction, baby, you were more than just a friend. Here it comes. And if I ever fall in love again, I will be sure that the lady is a friend. And if I ever fall in love so true, I will be sure that. The lady just like you. Oh, my man, that's that's fire. We also hooked up on the Gerald Levert. Yeah, some Casanova. <laughs> I was singing to my mom. My mom, what you know about that song? Ain't nothing, Casanova. <laughs> Cause me and Romeo ain't never been friends. Can't you see how much I really love you? And I said to you time and time again, Oh, Casanova. So you have an album that you're working on currently? The Maestro is on the works. It's done. Eight songs completed. Um, I got four covers. I did Sam Smith's Pray. I did The Weeknd's Reminder. I did Location by Khaled. And I'm working on what? Uh, I got to do it in Maxwell. Uh, Pretty Wings. Oh, that's a good one. What's your, favorite, what's your favorite song to cover? Sam Smith, Stay With Me. I did that on TMZ. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Live on TMZ. Like what? It's like coming out of someplace or? Yeah, no, no. They, they, I did an interview in my apartment. Oh, it's, really? it's online because they, uh, they, they saw me outside of the parlor, uh, this, this spot in LA. I was like, yeah, man, I'm the new, I'm, I'm like Maxwell and Tim. I got a new album coming out. So TMZ called me, like, yo, you do an interview with us. Right. And so they called me in my apartment. I sang Sam Smith live on TMZ now. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> so for folks listening that, you know, oftentimes we've been talking a lot about, uh, being a speaker and like what that looks like and how to, how to tell stories. And what I found historically is there's a lot of folks, they'll, they'll book a, a motivational speaker, right? And specifically like athletes are, I mean, if you're a former athlete, like you're in, people yeah. will specifically say, we want a former athlete and yeah. that's it. So your boy's got nothing, right? <laughs> uh, but my point is uh, oftentimes everybody's talking about their experience as an athlete, but there's so much more, you know, underlying that goes into that. So if you think about your story, the life lessons that, that, that you've gone through, what are, what's been like the most and this is probably really challenging, I'm sure. But if you had to, if you had to identify like one light bulb moment for you where you just finally figured it out and you got it down, what was it? And not to say that you haven't figured out, but I mean, that's yeah, that's a tough one. It's been a couple of those moments. Uh, I guess my sophomore year in, in Mizzou, I was like, yeah, I'm going to the NBA. So that changed my whole mindset. Like, okay, these are going to be financial. Well, why, why did you, what was it about your sophomore year? You just knew that you were better than everybody? Yeah. I mean, I, I was averaging 21 and 7. I was, um, they had me slotted like a top five pick the following year. So I came in my junior year thinking I was going to win player, national player of the year. You know, so I knew at that time I was going to be an NBA player, which at that time I was like, okay, that's, that's the pinnacle of everything. Right. I, I made it. Shit, I'm, I'm going to be in the league. Right. <laughs> so that was it. And then afterwards, when I got out of the league and, you know, retired and been done that, um, I guess would be 
I guess I haven't had that moment yet. I'm still working towards mm. that. Yeah. And I think the more, you know, we kind of talked about, uh, you asked me, what's my mentoring program? Like, who do I seek out for mentoring, right? And so we did like a little brainstorming session. What I love about that stuff is like when you get in a room and you just start, you start throwing out all the stuff that you're working on and the specific desired outcomes and you start tying it all together and you see how either A, you're stretching yourself too thin or B, you're not putting as much work as you need to be in, right? Yeah. I feel like that's when those moments happen more often. So the reason why I brought this up is because oftentimes when, when folks book a celebrity speaker or someone that climbed Mount Kilimanjaro or an individual that won a gold medal, whatever it may be, a lot of audience members will walk away from that and they'll say, damn, you know, Kareem, that, that was it, but I'm not Kareem. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I was never a professional athlete. I'm not, I was never a pinnacle of, you know, my craft at anything. And so for you, you're so much more than a basketball player. What advice would you give to individuals that are trying to find their, their, it, their fun? I mean, find a passion and go at it with all you got. I mean, fuck what everybody say and what everybody think. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of people who laughed at me when, they, when I first said I was going to be a singer. They mm-hmm. like, whatever, you just NBA, you just play, play basketball. Right. When, when I'm inventing stuff, I've asked people who I'm close to, who I've, you know, thought would have my back. Would you help me kind of push this? What do you think about this invention? And people have, you know, turned their back on me on, on a lot of different things I've invented. So, I mean, what I've learned mostly about myself is that I'm a fighter. Um, I fucking work hard and I'm passionate about what I do. And mm. I'm, I'm going to make it happen regardless. I could tell. Uh, your energy is contagious, my friend. Uh, it's been amazing to be around you. A uh, couple things in closing. If somebody wants to learn more about you, your music, your uh, in- inventions, where what do they what do they do? Where do they go? Uh, Water Warriors will be available soon. So that web- website will drop. Music, um, K Rush Music. I have my website, the K Rush Experience, uh, which will kind of, and then my my main website, the Rush Creative, which will have all my projects in one in one hub. Yep. And I know that you got a pretty fire IG that you post regularly on. Yeah. What's that? Reem Rush. I got the gentleman brand is my lifestyle brand. So you want to see some fly shit for guys or everything else aesthetically pleasing. Close to the gentleman brand.com. Uh, GBclub.com, actually. Um, so, yeah, a lot of things, man. I'm out here working. You know, you had mentioned in closing that, uh, you know, if you got a passion, pursue it. Forget what everybody else thinks. And uh, when we were talking, and I'm sorry to continue to reference this, but we talked about so much. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, if you wish to see the truth and hold no opinion for or against. And so often we have this preconceived notion that we're, you know, going to succeed or we're going to fail or somebody's going to judge us or whatever it may be. And it's, it's significantly limiting in whatever it is that you want to do. And so I was thinking about, because you talked about the Lakers last night, and I was thinking about, man, if I ever got an opportunity to speak to a professional team, what would that conversation look like? And so, you know, there's a lot of role players. There's mm-hmm. a lot of folks like like LeBron. He's 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 the cap, yeah. right? Yeah, he's a role player. They're terrible right now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. They got a W last night, though. They did. They did. Um, so, but nevertheless... People see themselves as, I asked you what type of cl- player you are. You said, I'm a, I'm a scorer. I'm a shooter, right? Mm-hmm. If you wish to see the truth and hold no opinion for or against, I wonder if folks get their, they get their role defined. And as a result, they don't stretch themselves in their areas of opportunity to potentially expand their, mm-hmm. their game. Would you say that that's a Absolutely. possibility? Yeah, people get comfortable with what they do. And yeah, people fearful of you know, taking chances. And I think that equates not only into basketball, but obviously business, you know, your personal life, whatever it may be. Ultimately, if you have an idea of how something's going to go, then the probability of it happening the way that you envision it goes up. So try to remove yourself from judgment, have a good time, gravitate towards the things that give you strength, live your fundamentalism and have a great time doing it. Am I right? That's right. Let's get it. Yes, sir. Hey, Kareem, I want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast. Uh, You're a great dude with a lot of big things. We can't wait to cheer you on on The Voice. Uh, I know I'm going to call and vote. (laughs) 
ooh, ooh. Hey, he's going to be like the dude in the number four. Number, number four. four. I vote for number four. Come on. Uh, Follow our boy Kareem Rush on all things uh, Instagram, uh, all things uh, website related. Of course, those links uh, are referenced previously. Thank you very much for supporting the Fundamentalism Podcast. We'll be back to you next week to talk more things fun, joy, and fulfillment related. Go out, have some fun, and shower others with some kindness today. Mm-hmm.